Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. So, as most of you know, Amber and I have a 15-year-old and a 16-year-old. Well, today's kind of a big deal in our family because Ellie turns 16 today, and I am feeling so old today. It was 2005 that we moved here, and she was three weeks old. So if you were here when we moved here in 2005, you know what that means about you? We together, you old with me. But I'm feeling that today, you know, but I'm so thankful for her, the person she's becoming, the person that she is. And the problem is, though, is Jackson is 11 months behind, and I'm going to be going through this again. But I was thinking about their birthdays, I was thinking about their ages, and I'm thinking about um, them growing up, and we did what many families do, is we like to play games, all right? And depending on their age, depending on their interests, different games would be played. And there was this one season where they liked to play the game Jenga. You know the game Jenga, right? 54 blocks and you build them up as high as they will go. And pretty simple concept. It's one move at a time. Now, if you make a wrong move, especially during the beginning, no big deal. You don't probably lose the game. The thing's not tumbling down probably, but it's getting a little more unstable. And as each move goes along, what happens? starts getting a little wobbly, starts getting, you don't know what's going to come down, and move by move until that moment comes, right? The last move is made, and it comes crashing down, and what you're left with is this pile of rubble. And the kids are growing up, they'd squeal, and they would laugh, and it would just be this big moment, but in that moment, they'd also realize the person who took the last block and placed it on top is now the loser. And in that moment, the game was over. But do you know what we did after that crashing down moment? You know what we did? We started grabbing one block at a time, and we started to rebuild and do it all over again. And I think about that, and a simple game becomes a powerful life metaphor. A simple game becomes this picture for us what life can be like. Because isn't life sometimes like a more complex version of the game Jenga? You know, I know there are moments when one thing happens and everything comes crashing down. I know that. But isn't most of life just everyday decisions? One decision at a time. And as as these decisions are built on each other, if they're wise and they're healthy and they're good decisions, well, then life ends up being strong. Life ends up being stable. But the opposite can be true. If, If our decisions are not wise, if our decisions aren't true and right and and healthy, then the exact opposite can happen is that life isn't stable, life isn't strong, life can be very fragile. And one move after another eventually can lead us to the place where we begin to feel like, are things falling apart? Am I feeling uneasy? You know what this emotion feels like. It's a little, life is wobbly. What is happening? 
until that moment comes, until that moment comes that we never see coming, but all of a sudden it happens and everything crashes down. I don't know if you've had this experience in your life, but it can happen in relationships. It can happen in our jobs. It can happen in our finances. It can happen in our spiritual life where one moment we just, we feel like, hey, things are okay. But then the next, it's like, wait a minute. Something's off. Until that moment comes, you're like, it's not just a little off. It's way off. Happens in our relationships. Could be friendships, could be dating, could be marriage. It could, it's not one decision that kind of has these things crashing down. It's decisions built on each other. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness, what happens? Like I said, it happens at work in our jobs. It's not just one thing usually happens. It's maybe work ethic, compromise, cutting corners, work, just the, 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 the integrity of how you work. All of a sudden, you're like, what happened? I've been left behind. I've been let go. I've been, something is wrong at work. It can happen in our finances. You know, our finances usually don't get ruined in one moment. It's little moments of saying yes when we should have said no. Living beyond what we have. Deciding, God, you've got no say in it. It's all what I want. It can happen in our spiritual life. Maybe this has been you, it happens in our spiritual life, where it's like one day, we're, in, we're all in, we're praying every day. You just, periodically through the day, you found yourself praying. We're in scripture every day. We're worshiping with our life every day. We're in a community of believers every week, just investing in this. And then all of a sudden, one decision after another, you find yourself disconnected from God and disconnected from others. Life is a bunch of just decision after decision growing on each other. And I, I think every one of us can speak to personal testimony of an area in life. It may not be the whole life, but an area in your life where you have felt this. And maybe for some it's not that you felt this, but you're feeling this. Because I'll tell you today, I realize I'm not going to talk to everybody in this room but I am talking to somebody in this room, and that somebody may be you. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if reality was dealt with, was reality was felt today, is there something in your life right now where things feel a little off? Something isn't quite right. And if you feel that weight, then you probably feel the weight of I don't know how I'm going to clean up this mess. Maybe this year, let's talk about COVID year. It's been a tough year for people. In many ways, people felt squeezed. They felt isolated. They felt a lot of horrible emotions. And maybe this year, some decisions were made in this that kind of have you sitting in a little bit of a mess. And you're wondering, how do I clean up that mess? How do I get things back to where they were? It wasn't one big decision, it was just gradual decisions being built on the other. If this is you. If you can say for yourself, like, yeah, I've got an area I gotta clean up. I wanna give you some hope. That I believe Jenga and life can both have the same outcome if we'll be open and honest about it. That either one of those scenarios in life 
have the opportunity to rebuild. Because even when life feels like it's a mess or it's come crashing down, there's always an opportunity to rebuild because I believe that it's in God's nature and God's mission to rebuild broken areas of our lives. That's what I want to talk about, that God's uh, mission and God's uh, nature is to rebuild broken areas of our lives. And I've been inspired by this recently as I've gone back and thought about Nehemiah. I went back to the book of Nehemiah and I'm looking at this and, and I'm reminded of something I say to you quite often. I see comparisons between the Israelite people and us. The Israelite people of the Old Testament that we see and us because in their lives there was a lot of ups and a lot of downs. In our life, there's a lot of ups, a lot of downs. There are great moments, and then there are crashing down moments. There's moments that are filled with, with wisdom. There are moments that are filled with integrity. There's moments that are filled with passion, letting God do whatever he wants to do in our lives, and then there is other moments. Maybe we can relate to this. There are moments when you're strong. God, you can have my life completely. I'm passionate about you. I want to live in integrity in every area of my life. And every... But then there are other moments, and I see in the Israelites where they are extremely arrogant. They're extremely selfish. They're intensely sinful. I see in their life where they forget that God is to be the center of all areas of their life, that they forget what life is really about. And what I see in their life in the picture all through the Old Testament as I read it is on the other side, hear me, on the other side of their consistent decisions to be selfish, sinful, whatever it may be, life always comes crashing down. Always. You see the repetition in their life over and over. So this is why I wanted to point to Nehemiah today. And some of you may know the story of Nehemiah, what he's known for. Some of you may not, so I want to catch you up. Nehemiah is a man and a book in the Old Testament. And when we go to the book in Nehemiah, right at the beginning of chapter 1, we see that Nehemiah is a cupbearer for the king. What's a cupbearer? Cupbearer is someone who tastes the food before the king tastes it because the king has people who are always trying to take them out, right? Like you're on the top, they want to take you out. So the cupbearer tastes the food, tastes the drink, just to make sure it's good and healthy and even maybe just tastes good for the king. Well, because the Persians at the time where he was a cupbearer, they didn't have a lot of enemies. He was kind of in a comfortable place. He was kind of in a comfortable place and he didn't have a lot of enemies. So he's sitting in comfortability and he's got the favor of the king in his life. But one day, here's the story of Nehemiah, one day that all changes. One day his brother shows up with some news and everything in his life changes. You may be able to relate to this. When you're sitting comfortably until you're not. And what we see in Nehemiah chapter 1 is this. In the month of Kislev, which I've read, it's kind of maybe October, November-ish. I don't know, that's kind of what I read, but I was like, what's Kislev, right? So, in the month of Kislev, is the 20th year. In the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant 
that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. Okay, before I go ahead, I want to make sure you know what I got going on here. Is his brother, Hanani, Nehemiah's brother, Hanani, comes to see him and he asks a simple question. You get the question? How are my Jewish people? How are my brothers and sisters? How are people doing? Oh, and how is Jerusalem? See, Nehemiah knew what had happened several years before this. This happened all the time in the Old Testament. People were conquering each other. This is the way life was throughout the centuries. And, and, and the, the people had come and an opposing army had conquered Jerusalem. And so people had to run and get out. He knew this was, was the case. They had to scatter in exiles. The new king took over. But he didn't know really how people were. So he's like, how are the Jewish people and how is Jerusalem? Because he knew things weren't perfect. Hear me. He, didn't, he knew that things weren't perfect, but he wasn't sure how bad things were. Well, this was the answer. Verse 3. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are, are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Okay, for you, this might be just information. Okay, that's what happened. Jerusalem burnt down, gates. Okay, but I, I wish I could just jump into that one portion of what that meant for these people. This wasn't just information the brother was sharing. This is like status of life in a deep, deep way. And for you, it can be in just information, but for Nehemiah, this was almost too much for him to handle. This was the news he didn't want to get. This was reality hitting him in the face. He could no longer deny what was going on. He no longer could sit in the seat of comfortability being the cupbearer. He could no longer plead ignorance. Reality smacked him in the face. And I wonder for us, have we ever had that moment? Reality hits us dead center in the face. We were comfortable. Life is good. We are just, we're, we're just, we're thinking positively. And all of a sudden, life just smacks us in the face. And when reality hits, doesn't it hit hard? When reality hits, can't it hit really hard? And what I love about Nehemiah in this moment is we see a normal person. That's all Nehemiah was. He may be someone in the Bible, but in this moment, he's just, he's a normal person. And what we see is how a normal person responds when reality hits you in the face. And the reality is not good. Let me show you how he reacts. Verse 4. When I heard these things, what do you do? I sat down and I wept. You ever had that moment? Life hits you. And all you can do is sit and cry. Because all of a sudden, the truth of life is hitting you. And this is where Nehemiah sits. Once again, he has become face to face with how bad things had gotten for his people. Now, the interesting part of the story and why I used the analogy of Jenga and, and decisions in life earlier is this bad 
report didn't happen overnight. It didn't happen just one time. If you look at their life, the 500 previous years, you'll see the Israelites were not living a life of integrity. They weren't living the life that they were supposed to be living. There was so much rebellion and disunity and and just infighting that for the 500 previous years since King David was their leader, they got, things had gotten so bad, they couldn't even get along with each other and they became divided. Literally became separated, a northern and a southern part of their country, done. For the previous 500 years, they'd had ungodly king after ungodly king. They were God's people, but in this moment, what is seen is God's people had not been faithful to God. They had walked away from Everything that had gotten them to a place of strength, the, the, uh, the honoring of God, the worship of God, one decision at a time has them walking away from everything that God had called them to. And like I said, when that happens, things fell apart. On the other side, of the disobedience, on the other side of these unhealthy decisions, on the other side of not taking care of business of life, life fell apart. The walls and the cities are destroyed. The gates are burned. They either have to run or they're killed from the opposing army coming at them. And when they come back to the city, their city and their life is in rubble. That's the reality. All of a sudden, those gradual everyday decisions mounted up and became a mess. And all of a sudden, Nehemiah is feeling the weight of life on him. He feels the weight of life on him. What am I going to do? It was in this moment when he feels the reality, says, I've got to do something. But this is what I want to say this morning. When he decided he's got to do something about it, he goes about it in a way that not everybody does. And I want us to see that maybe a different way to go about life when you realize life is a mess. Can I read Nehemiah 1 verse 4? For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, look, uh, and then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his covenant commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, the decrees, and the laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I'll scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the furthest horizon, I'll gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as dwelling for my name. They're your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delighted in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of man. 
life has fallen apart. All of a sudden, there's a realization that life is off track. And we're put into a place where we have to make the decision, what do we do now? Are we going to rebuild when things have fallen apart, or are we going to just sit in the rubble? But the second decision we got to make is not if we're going to rebuild. Let's say you say yes to that. It's how. Nehemiah is known in the Old Testament for one that went and wanted to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. The question is, is how did he do it? And the reason I want to share Nehemiah's story today is because I think there's a different way to go about it than what we often do when we find our life is a mess. Hear me, when Nehemiah realized how bad things had become, what did he do? It was two things. First, he owned the truth of the situation. Do you see verse 4? He says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. Like, he didn't deflect Hear me. He didn't deflect. He didn't make excuses. He didn't paint a prettier picture than the reality. And and this may seem simple and obvious, but come on. Aren't we good at lying to ourselves? Aren't we good at lying to ourselves? Haven't you lied to yourself at some point? Avoided dealing with reality. Don't we say to ourselves, it's not as bad as it seems. And the truth is, it's sometimes easy to lie to ourselves and believe that. Because if most of our life is one decision at a time building up, then it can be a slow process of getting off track. It's not an instant, it's slowly getting off track. But what happens when we do a reality check of our lives? What happens when we ask ourselves, how are my relationships? How is my marriage? How is my character, my finances? How is my work ethic at work? How is my spiritual life? How is my relationship with God? Am I the person that I'm supposed to be right now? Are the decisions I'm making building a better life or or are things starting to crumble around me and I need to stop for a moment and look and say, are there any areas of my life that need to be rebuilt? Because maybe if we looked at it, our foundation isn't as strong as we think it is. Maybe things are a little wobbly. Maybe things are a little shaky. Maybe things aren't strong. And you're just like, uh, I know why. Because maybe what you built your life on isn't sustainable. Maybe the foundation isn't there. And so what I see in this is Nehemiah's response is perfect. He doesn't deflect. He owns the mess. And he knows in order to, for us to rebuild our lives, he asks the question, what do I need to own today? Because we can't rebuild what we don't own is broken. As long as you lie to yourself, you can't rebuild what's broken. But then the second thing I said he did, was he worshiped God before he got to work. 
He worshiped God. If you're, re- if you're listening to what I was reading, he worshiped God before he got to work, before he ever picked up one stone out of the pile, before he ever made a move to start fixing things, he worshiped God. And his act of worship was through prayer. His act of worship, his first move, the move that we often wait till the last when we're out of options, the move we only go to when we feel hopeless, the move we go to when it's like, I got nothing else, I guess I'll pray. He went to first. And it's not just what he prayed for his act of worship. It's not just that he prayed, it's what did he pray. Let's go back to how he did this. The first prayer he prayed was a prayer of praise. He said, Lord, the God of heaven and the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. After he mourned and he fasted, he began to pray. And his first prayer was a prayer of praise. God, you are awesome. God, you are incredible. He declares God's greatness. His first act of rebuilding, his first act of things are a mess, what do I do? He declares the greatness of God. And this is really important because when you declare the greatness of God, then you are basically saying you get to call the shots in my life. Because if you declare the greatness of God, but don't let him call the shots in your life, what are you saying? You're great You're greater than me, but I got this. Like, it just doesn't make sense. But when he declares the greatness of God, he puts an alignment of the relationship. You are here and I am here. You're an authority, I am not. I'm a mess, I've probably gotten myself in this mess, so I'm gonna give myself to you because you are great and you are awesome. The second thing he does, he prays a prayer of confession. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you've given your servant Moses. I don't think, maybe you are. I don't think we're great at this confession thing. I don't think we're great at this repentance thing. I think we've heard about it. I think we know it. But I'm not sure if we're great at it. I think sometimes our pride gets in the way that we're like, yeah, I'm not perfect. Yeah, I'm not perfect. Yeah, I'm not perfect. But when was the last time you pointed out, God, this is where I sinned against you? God, this is where I messed up. I want to let you know I know where I've messed up. I think confession and repentance is one of the healthiest and one of the most cleansing things we can ever do. God, this is where I've messed up, and I'm sorry I did it. I'm going to own up to it. And this is what I love about Nehemiah. He just leads it out, leaves it out there. No pride. Just truth. God, this is where I and my people, we've messed up. He had a prayer of confession. And then the third and last prayer he had was a prayer of asking. You see how he ended it? 
Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. He's about to go talk to the king. That's what he means with the man. He's about to go to the king and tell him, I want to go build the walls of Jerusalem. And that would have been stupid because why would the king want to help Jerusalem? But he said, God, help me find success in this. I think God does want to bless your life. I believe this. I believe that God desires to bless your life. If we will walk humbly before him, if we will put him in the rightful place he deserves, I believe he wants us to come to him and say, hey, I need your power, I need your strength, I need your wisdom, I need the Holy Spirit to guide me. God, will you give me your blessing on my life? If we come to him with the right posture, you're God, I'm not. I've messed up, that's why I need you. I think God does want to move in our life. And that's why I look at the life of Nehemiah. It wasn't just that he realized he had messed up. We, we all do that. We all admit, like, we're kind of a mess. It's what he did with the mess. It's what he did when he realized things were off track. It's what he did when he, the reality hit him in the face. And this is a simple question for you today. It's a simple question for you today. If there's something in your life that you've known that's a little shaky, you know the walls are crashing down a little bit. You know it's kind of the Jenga. You've been moving pieces and it's getting a little wobbly. And I don't know if life is going to fall apart if that is you. If this past year has been pretty tough and it's shaken you in ways and you're not sure how to clean up some of the emotional messes, some of the financial messes, some of the spiritual messes, some of the relationship messes, I'm going to recommend your first move it's not try to fix this yourself, but it is to go to God and rebuild through worship. And that worship starts, I think, with an act of prayer and connecting with him. And maybe God's going to help you realize this. And you're going to deal with the reality of your life, and that's okay. We've all been there. Maybe humility will take over in this moment. You go, yeah, there are areas that have to be rebuilt in my life. Can I tell you? That the story through scripture is always when we are unfaithful to him, God consistently keeps his promise. He's faithful to keep his promises to us. The story of this is the Israelites were unfaithful. God never was. He, what he says he promises he'll do, he will do, even if we're unfaithful, if we'll come back to him. And one of the promises I see is in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen, And I'll leave you with this today. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. This morning is meant to be very in your face challenging. I speak different ways Sunday to Sunday. This is supposed to be an in your face challenge. That maybe God wants to rebuild something in your life. And maybe the biggest gift he can give you right now is to give you a reality check and say, this is a mess. Your marriage is a mess. Your finances are a mess. Your uh, relationship with him is a mess. Your character, your integrity is a mess. And it's time to rebuild it. Because if you don't, life will come crashing 
And I want our first move to say, say, God, you've been faithful. Always to keep your promises. If I'll come to you and build my foundation of my life on you, if I'll come back to you and I confess, you will heal these areas of my life that I've been unfaithful in. So we bow your heads and we close in prayer today and I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up. God, I've asked for a heavy dose of conviction in our lives. I ask for a heavy dose of conviction in our lives because, God, there are people that are watching online, there are people that are in this room, God, who their life is shaky or maybe life has begun to crash around them or maybe they're on the road to this and they don't see it. I pray that you give a dose of conviction of reality that we need to come back to you, ask for forgiveness, and that you will heal and rebuild our life. God, we've been through some messes. God, we've been through some stuff and we want to act like it's okay, but sometimes it's not. But this is what I love. You're a God that always sits and waits and will meet us in our mess. It's in your character, it's in your nature to rebuild broken things. So God, if there's any brokenness today, people that are far from you today, God, will you do what you've promised you will do? It's your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.